1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins. You dumbass. What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome into the Monday, September the 23rd edition, the game day recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always. I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's flagship Sunday, which means we're going to recap the 31-6 loss in Dallas with five takeaways from the game. We'll go position by position and evaluate the players, get you caught up on the status of the tank and Miami's prospective draft picks around the league. We'll recap the college football quarterbacks of the weekend and we'll briefly, very briefly discuss my no good, very bad Saturday. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. You can find the written work every single day up on lockedondolphins.com. And with that, let's go ahead and jump right in. Well, at least there were some first downs to celebrate this weekend as the Dolphins played better in this game, and we'll get right into things here in just one second, but I wanted to start with a couple of grievances I have, and I want to let you guys know about the coverage on the podcast going forward this season because we know it's going to be a rough year, it's going to be a bad team with a lot of losses and very little to talk about in the win column, and I'm going to tell you guys when someone's football is crap, But I'm going to really focus on the things that bode well going forward, like things that will be part of the future of the structure of this team, like, for instance, Josh Rosen playing well, which only stands to benefit the Miami Dolphins. And also, one more thing I noticed about Sundays on Twitter... Why does everything have to be so definitive and decided right now? It seems like every game is a new chance to make a declaration on a guy or a team or a something in the NFL, but we are just as likely to change our minds the next week as another 60 minutes of evidence or tape becomes available to us. And I know it's a what have you done for me lately type of league, but can I ask that we show just a little more perspective, a little more patience? Like I saw a tweet that said that Lamar Jackson might not be the real deal because he had a bad day. Just relax, it's it's one game at a time. Take it as such, think about larger sample sizes. Just a couple of grievances I had to file here. And it mainly came from Cowboys fans on Twitter who were like getting in my mentions and bragging about the video clips that I showed the Dolphins doing positive things, coming in there and talking trash to me like I actually care about that. It's just weird. I had to get it out there. And that is where we start today with the positives on the game. And I thought despite the 31-6 to 6 loss, the Dolphins did have their fair share, especially with the coaching staff and the game plan. And that is takeaway number one, the positives in the areas that the Dolphins have control over, and I'm talking about things that go outside of the the talent on the football team, like the game plan, like the execution of the scheme they brought these coaches in to run, the penalties and mental mistakes. This game had the fewest mistakes by Miami on the young season. They only had five penalties for 35 yards, and the game plan in the first half, Made for a four-point deficit with the worst team in the NFL and one of the league's best on the road, no less. And again, the Dolphins probably should have had the lead going into the locker room. And you might say the Cowboys played bad, but so did Miami. They had their drops, physical mistakes, not mental. And the Drake fumble were both killers in that first half. Miami easily could have had 10 or 14 more points in that first half and taken a 20 to 10 lead into the break. The plan for the offensive line was great, more wham blocks, more help and protection and sliding and and passing off stunts and games. The plan and sub package on defense was great, and the red zone defensive plan in the first half was fantastic. That's number one takeaway. Number two, we have to talk about Josh Rosen. We'll go over his individual performance in the next segment. But if he plays this well, it bodes so damn well for this team going forward. I still don't think he has a chance to push this team off the quarterback class, especially when you consider that he's going to have to win a couple of games, which just seems impossible at this point to get the Dolphins off the first overall pick, which is going to be Tua Tagovailoa for whichever team does make that pick. But he's going to build himself into a solid asset if he plays. plays this way and kudos to the staff for the way they developed him so far I know there was jokes about body language and not giving him a job over Ryan Fitzpatrick but it seems like to me he showed tangible growth in areas that you hoped he would improve on in training camp and the preseason and I think he did that on Sunday takeaway number three New players making an impact on the roster, and I'm talking about new guys that weren't here a month ago. Week one was bad because of that turnover all the way around the roster, but if any of those late August additions stick to this roster, then that's a big win for this coaching staff. And I'm talking about four guys in particular from Sunday. They were new left guard Evan Bame, which I guess sounds like Bane. didn't know that's how you pronounce that last name, safety Steven Parker and Johnson Batamosi, and right tackle Jamarcus Webb, who I know is not part of the long-term fix, but he really helped to repair that offensive line beyond being completely a disaster and just kind of holding things together. I thought Parker and Batamosi played well within the scheme, which makes sense, the Patriots ties and backgrounds there. And Evan Bame really just looks the part on the offensive line, intrigued to see him going forward. Takeaway number four, the talent deficiency on this roster is very clear and we should be able to see that each and every second half this team has played and they haven't scored any points. They've allowed a lot of points from the opposition that the talent deficiency along with injuries really played a big role in the second half of this game because like I said, the offensive and defensive game plans were great to start, but once the Cowboys coaching staff got their chance to settle down and make those in-game adjustments for the second half. That's when things really got going against the Dolphins. It was just too much to deal with the talent the Cowboys have. One of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And you guys heard me praise the Dallas coaching staff all week long, and we saw why in that second half. They developed a great balance on offense, swarmed on defense, getting all three of their sacks with great pressure concepts in that second half against Miami's banged-up offensive line. So good for them. It was just too much for Miami to overcome. And takeaway number five, I don't like isolating single guys in these segments, but Kalen Balazs, I just don't think he's it. The lateral agility that he has or doesn't have makes him a major liability in finding cutback lanes and also trying to wriggle through little holes this offensive line can create, especially when you pair the fact that he does have poor vision and that he's dropping passes in the passing game. He just has had a dreadful start to the season and does not look the part of a tailback in this offense. We'll talk about the running backs in segment two because I thought Kenyon Drake had a bad game as well. And the last takeaway that didn't make its way into the top five was Xavier Howard had having a horrible day. We'll discuss that on the next segment, but I think that he's going to be fine. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Sometimes bad days happen, and Xavier Howard ran into a dreadful day for himself on Sunday in Dallas. All right. We're going to come back in the next segment. I was in Pullman on Saturday for the third greatest comeback in college football history on the wrong side of things. And I got there with Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 on that order. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. We all love a night out on the town, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on your favorite team, even if your team blows a 32-point lead with just 19 minutes left in the game. And with the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. All of that in the Vivid Seats app. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest games and the best concerts in town, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's promo code KICKOFF at checkout at Vivid Seats. hard to wax poetic about a 31 to 6 loss. The Dolphins could not cover that 21 and a half point spread the biggest set early in the week. One of the largest spreads in recent memory in the NFL, although not the largest spread of the weekend as the Patriots steamrolled the Jets as they were expected to do as the Cowboys come away with a 31-6 victory over Miami and they did it with 476 total yards to Miami's 283. They outrushed Miami 235-72 and barely outpassed Miami 241-211. They had 8 penalties for 100 yards. The Dolphins on 3rd and 4th down were not good enough. 4 for 18, of the time conversion rate. Five for 10 for Dallas, that's half the time also not good enough for the Dolphins defense although most of that came in that dreadful second half, which I think is going to be a thing this year, very bad second halves for this Dolphins team, the Cowboys sacked Rosen three times, the Dolphins got to Prescott once, and time of possession for the first time was actually even, the Cowboys had the ball for just under 31 minutes and the Dolphins just over 29 minutes we talked about the physical mistakes, the drop passes, after the first half Miami had topped their points per game average with 6 over 5, and the first half with 220 yards was by far the best shot in any half the dolphins have played this year. They also converted 38% of their third downs in that first half. So improvement there, that was the name of the game. Things wound up with the same result in a blowout victory. But let's go ahead and go position by position here and run through all these groups and all these players on this dolphins roster. Of course, we'll have the film review for you guys on Wednesday's episode. But first, off the broadcast, let's start with the quarterback and Josh Rosen did well in several departments that I think show growth in his game, I talked about the body language and the leadership and not getting too down on Devontae Parker who dropped a wide open crossing route right down by the end zone that probably could have gone for a touchdown if not set up a first and goal play, but Josh Rosen encouraged Devontae Parker and had this look in his eye like, I got you, it's fine, don't dwell on that. That was the kind of leadership they wanted to develop out of Josh Rosen, and that wasn't the case back in training camp. He was getting down on himself, hanging his head, walking around the practice field, and he showed growth in that area today, as well as growth with his toughness, taking some of those big shots he took, generally pretty sharp with the accuracy, the mobility was excellent, and he had a really good sense for how the game was developing around him, getting off of his spot when pressure arrived. He threw the ball down the field to the intermediate levels and made good decisions for the most part in this game. I thought he played really well and if he can do this going forward the Dolphins are going to get a first round draft pick for him eventually when they wind up trading him that's my take on Josh Rosen I'm all for him playing well enough to earn the job I just don't know how Miami passes on this draft class when they're probably going to go 0-16 and get the first pick so Josh Rosen, a very good debut for him the running backs was the opposite Kalen Balazs, I talked about him in the first segment, it's just not good enough, he goes down on first contact almost every single time, he only made the first tackler miss twice last year on 45 opportunities, and it feels like he's right on track for that same number this season, and his counterpart, Kenyon Drake, also not good enough, he remains the dual threat explosive back that's the best guy in this team, in this position group, but the same mistakes continue to show up for this guy, a fourth year player, poor ball security, he turned his back to the defense down around the goal line and kept the ball with just one hand that's going to get knocked out most of the time in the NFL on a goal to go a goal to go run for Kenyon Drake he dropped passes he still got occasional gaps in pass protection it's just not good enough from number 32 and number 27 out wide. I think Preston Williams still has these tools to become a number one receiver like Xavier Howard told us he would be. He is apparently best friends with Josh Rosen. And I think that chemistry continues to show up. He's doing well to get off the release off the line of scrimmage. He's stacking defensive backs. He's chasing blind spots. Just catch the ball and you'll be fine. The same could be true for Jakeem Grant, who is dropping the ball on offense on special teams. That is a concern going forward for him. He dropped a simple screen pass and muffed another punt, but he did show a proclivity to find soft spots in the underneath zone coverage, and he was a fixture of the game plan. I hope we see that for the next 13 games. I want to find out about Jakeem Grant this year. Devontae Parker had that gorgeous one-handed stab on a takeoff route. He has done well to stack defensive backs as this offense likes to take shots to those tall receivers that are put into the boundary with one-on-one coverage and no safety help. I think Parker and Williams are doing good to get open on those looks and Parker made a hell of a catch in that department on Sunday. You go inside to the tight end position. Not a lot to look at in the game on Sunday. Although Durham-Smythe was part of the Wham scheme the Dolphins ran, something new this year they haven't done much of previously, where you invite the defensive tackle upfield with his initial rush, and then you take the tight end and you side block him, who comes back across the formation. And Smythe did really well in that department on Sunday. Mike Kosicki had three targets, caught all three of them again. A high catch percentage, but only nine yards on the game. Really, he had a tough matchup with the Cowboys' athletic linebackers and safeties in this game. And then finally, the offensive line. It was actually pretty good until the injuries began to mount. Jesse Davis left the game. Danny Isadora left the game. Michael Dieter kicks out to left tackle, and that's just not a good spot for him. He's not fast enough, doesn't have a long enough kick slide to get to deal with the speed off the edge of somebody like Robert Quinn. They really had to slide and help Dieter in protection off that edge, and it weakened the rest of the group. Shaq Calhoun came into the game for Isadora. I want to look at his film on All-22 before I give you an evaluation. I thought Daniel Kilgore had an excellent first half but kind of regressed in the second half like everybody else and Evan Baim had a really nice day off the bench as well. I talked about Jamarcus Webb those two guys both I thought played pretty good on Sunday. We go over to the other side of the ball and apparently I started a feud between Devon Godshaw and Jordan Lewis. Devon Godshaw talking about a great rep he had on Travis Frederick I posted several videos of him knocking back Frederick and Zach Martin on the game and he shared that and said if this is the best offensive line, which is a quote that I said then what does that make me? Jordan Lewis retweets that and says oh and three hilarious trash talk even though I thought Devon had a very good game showing his his propensity in this two gap scheme where he can really fight off the point of attack shed and stack and make plays in the backfield And on top of it all, it got my tweet on some Yahoo articles and plenty of other places that shared the video and the trash talk of Devon Godshot and Jordan Lewis. Good stuff there. I thought Christian Wilkins had another really good game. Maybe not another really good game, but his first really good game. He's freaky athletic, and he's showing the ability to stay strong at the point of attack in addition to the speed and quickness he offers. And he's doing some stuff getting off those blocks that the Dolphins really want to see from him this year. That'll be a big area of growth for him because it's not something he did that much in college at Clemson. John Jenkins had a rough night and Charles Harris really was left unblocked several times because maybe they just don't think he's going to threaten them as a pass rusher he did get one good hit on Dak Prescott but it was one of those unblocked reps and Taco Charlton had a sack in this game but it was all hustle plays for him that's good to see I'm sure that felt good for him Jerome Baker had some really nice looking reps he got caught sometimes in the wash that's going to happen he's a little bit undersized but man he made two really big time wow plays one in coverage on Zeke Elliott with a two-way go and an angle route across his face that's a tough cover for any linebacker and also the clip of him taking the screen pass on a third and 13 which was going to go for a first down but baker comes all the way across the formation to make the play you can find that video on the locked on dolphins recap for week three up on lod.com other linebackers i thought sam mcguavin had his best game although it's still not good enough He's coming along slowly in areas that he's going to have to get better in if he wants to be part of the future, especially in coverage. He's kind of taking false steps and getting out of position, and he sticks to blocks way too often. And then lastly, Vince Beagle, I think, is earning himself more playing time going forward, and rightfully so, because he's doing some work as part of Miami's sub-package pressure looks, but also off the edge in the outside run game, and he looks the part in both those areas. The defensive backs, Xavier Howard, had a really rough day that ended with an ejection, which was really a soft ejection. If if you ask me, but he just looked kind of disinterested. He got beat early by Amari Cooper and then wound up getting beat by a couple more for a couple more touchdowns on Cooper and a lot of yards on the day. Just not a good day for X. Eric Rowe, I thought, had his best game, although still shaky in some areas. Jamal Wills got beat on a long play again, although I think that one came back on a penalty, but he had a rough start after a growing injury took him out as well. Bobby McCain had his first pick as a safety. He played a pretty good game. I thought Johnson Badamosi played a good game, and Steven Parker, both those two safeties I mentioned in the first segment of the podcast, had excellent first halves, working within this new coverage scheme and making plays that Brian Flores will love going forward. The overall recap, I just think the offensive line, when it was healthy, the offense actually moved the football between the 20s things bogged down in the red zone. You have to get better there. They made some curious play calls down around the goal line as well. That has to improve. But still, by and large, this is going to be a team that loses a lot of football games. You just hope for growth in the quarterback, the coaching, and the preparation, the lack of mental mistakes, and continue to find guys that rise up the depth chart that weren't supposed to be studs right away that maybe give you something to be excited about going into 2020 as this team gets remade again in the off season. There was plenty of silver linings in this game to clutch to and we can find those and you- You can find those up on LockedOnDolphins.com in the post-game recap article. And you can also find the tank tracker up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We're tracking the Steelers, the Saints, the Texans, the Dolphins' current draft picks, and all those picks they have to make next year on rookies to revamp this team and hopefully be competitive in 2020, make the right steps this year, rebuild this thing over the offseason. And I think there are enough resources to make this team at the very least competitive next year, which, as I talked about all week on the show, is going to have to be the baseline for Brian Flores and for Chris Greer to be the guys of the future here in Miami. And we'll come back on the other side of the podcast and talk about the Dolphins' success in this tank, how is it going, and try to get you a little bit excited because there's a team who have a first-round pick that belongs to Miami, and they're not playing very well. That could be a very high draft pick. And speaking of getting exciting, the Dolphins certainly aren't going to do it for you guys this year. Maybe it's not happening for you in the bedroom either, and that's why I want to tell you all about BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work as well as my puns on this live read. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever your number is called, like Josh Rosen got the call to start the game on Friday. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code, MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue Promo code MLB to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: A lot of good action around the NFL as it concerns the Miami Dolphins on Sunday in week number three. We've got more out-of-town scoreboard watching to do with this tank than really we do whenever the Dolphins are quote-unquote in the hunt in that famed right-hand column on every single playoff picture that we start to see around Thanksgiving time going forward. But this team this year, with all the draft implications this team has coming into 2020, there's so much fun stuff to watch, and it really has made Sundays way more bearable than they have been in the past. Yeah, watching the Dolphins get their teeth kicked in kind of stinks, but it is fun to evaluate and watch these guys make their mark on this Dolphins team to see if they can be part of the future going forward but all things told The most important thing this year is to build for 2020. And that's why watching the Texans and the Steelers are both so vital to what this team needs to do in 2019 and beyond. And the best result for the Dolphins really on Sunday was the Steelers getting a plus three turnover margin, five takeaways from the Niners who just shot themselves in the foot all game long. But still, the Steelers had enough deficiencies to cost them that game to fall to 0-3. They are currently number three, or check that, number four in the NFL G. Draft position according to tankathon.com. The Dolphins currently have the third overall pick. The Texans have the 25th. And of course, Miami comes back with pick 33. So that's two of the draft's very best players right there off the top. And then a good first round prospect. And of course, the first pick in the second round. But to go back to the Steelers here, if you guys saw Mason Rudolph, you saw a guy that really doesn't have that inherent sense for pressure in the pocket. He takes way too deep of drops. He's inaccurate. Turnovers are going to happen for him a lot. The offensive line is not as good as it was under Mike Munchak. They don't have the skill players. James Conner is not as good all of a sudden. That offense is bad. That defense and the defensive scheme is bad. Even though Minka got an interception and a fumble re- or a fumble forced, I should say the pick just dropped right into his hands. The fumble was a great play but he also got punked by Kyle Juszczyk on a stiff arm later in the game. But that Steelers defense is just not that good. That team's not that good. That coaching staff is stuck in the past a little bit too much. That's going to be a top five pick, guys. I really believe it's going to be at least a top eight pick and probably top five because Mason Rudolph, to me, he never was it. I don't think he's it. That's going to really shake out good for the Dolphins, who essentially traded Minka Fitzpatrick for a top five or six, maybe top eight at worst pick that's a hell of a trade. Good job on Chris Greer there. The Texans won, and my goodness, is Deshaun Watson fun to watch even though you're rooting against him. He is just so damn good and shows you what a great quarterback can do for a team. He willed that team to victory on Sunday when they weren't doing a good job taking care of Keenan Allen. Their pass protection continues to be horrible, and he's taken an absolute beating back there, and I wonder if he can make it through the entire season, but that's probably the only way that pick becomes high because right now, Watson is playing at an MVP level, and the Dolphins might have to settle for a pick in the 20s from the Texans. And then of course, there's the Saints who the Dolphins own their second round draft pick. They won in Seattle with Teddy Bridgewater, an impressive performance from New Orleans. So the Dolphins right now looking at good picks from the Steelers, not a great pick from the Texans. And of course, the second round pick from New Orleans, the Steelers next week are home for the Bengals. If they lose that game, they've got a home game for the Ravens after that, and they're at the Chargers. They could head into that Monday game against the Dolphins with both teams winless. That's very possible. I think that Bengals team could pick them off next week. The Texans next week have the Panthers at home the Falcons at home after that but I'm starting to think more and more this Texans team is going to win its way out of a high draft pick for Miami as far as the rest of the and 2 teams in the NFL a bunch of them won today Kyle Allen led the Carolina Panthers to a victory, so they are now one and two. And goodness, did he look impressive in that game! So did Daniel Jones, the guy that I bagged on this podcast all draft process long. Great for him, very good game. And then, of course, the teams that did not come through. One of those teams being the Steelers, who the Dolphins, of course, own their first round pick. The Jets got blown out again, but Sam Darnold sounds like he's going to be back in a couple of weeks, so they'll win some games. Don't have to worry too much about them. You've got the Broncos, zero and three. They're pretty terrible. And then Washington could pull off a win tomorrow against Chicago and get off the schneid. So Miami in great shape to get these high draft picks. Looking real good. Before we close the podcast up here, let's talk about college football and the weekend. First my picks, no bueno. I went 2-4, and four, not good enough. 11-11 and 11 on the season. Again, milking you dry on the juice if you're following along with me on those picks. As far as the quarterbacks go, I've only got two of them done right now up on the dolphins.com 2020 quarterback prospect scouting report. I talked about Tua Vailoa and Jordan Love. I'm going to get to Jake from and and Justin Herbert, forgot his name there for a second, later on tonight, and I'll post that article probably Monday or Tuesday for you guys up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But real quick, let's talk about Tua and what he did in that game on Saturday. Again, with more touchdowns than incompletions in the game, he is really impressive with his timing, touch, anticipation, knowing the pre-snap picture and what it's going to look like post-snap. He made, I think, one or two mistakes. He was off target with one or two balls. Of course, those are going to be the things that everybody harps on. But you see the fine details in his game, the aptitude mentally. To get the ball to the right guy at the right time. It's fun to watch. He is our guy. I promise you, he's the guy going forward. That's the one to keep an eye on all season long. But Jordan Love played really, really well against San Diego State in that game. You can see some of the rare traits that he has that, frankly, I don't think anybody else in this class does have. Maybe Justin Herbert. But again, I like Jordan Love's processing better than Justin Herbert's. And Jordan Love made so many plays where he's off platform, making throws on the run. He has to make quick decisions and change the play for the offense in that no. Huddle, quick tempo offense. He does that pretty well. He gets his team into the right plays. He's a very effective at escaping the rush. You can check out that Twitter thread that I posted in the LockdownDolphins.com article talking about scouting these prospects. He looked very good, and since everybody asks me this every week, there are three guys I'm going to consider adding to this project down the line. Not going to happen just yet. I want to see more, but they are, of course, of course, Joe Burrow from LSU. He looks like a new quarterback this year. Very impressive the way he gets that team up and down the field, gets the ball out of his hands quick into the playmaker's hands, and they certainly do not let him down once he does that. Jalen Hurts just balling out of Oklahoma. I think any quarterback that plays for Lincoln Riley deserves recognition because the Probably going to be very smart in the way they approach things. And Jacob Eason, he has been fantastic for UW. Another big day in Provo against BYU. Those three guys closest to joining the other four. I'm just not ready to work on seven quarterbacks every Saturday quite yet, but we'll get there eventually. And we have to touch on this before we end the podcast. The Washington State Cougars game on Saturday night. A perfect scene for college football. It was like 65 degrees, just perfect outside. And the Cougars got out to a fast start, 49-17. And that's where things went wrong. We then had a four-hour drive back home sitting in traffic. So I didn't get home until about 3 or 4 a.m. So I'm working right now on about three or four hours of sleep. So... Not a great Saturday. Just the the third biggest comeback in college football history. I was there for it to witness my team going down. It was just like the miracle at the Meadowlands or whatever the hell we're calling that stupid game between the Jets and Dolphins back in 2000. It felt just like that game, and I was there to see it in person. Not fun. Okay, that's going to end this podcast. We'll come back with you guys on Tuesday for the Aftermath podcast. We'll break down some film this week. I'm going to add a free agent segment on the podcast where I break down available free agents. Probably going to have an article and segment per week on that up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And with that, let's go ahead and call this episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast a wrap. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at WinkfulNFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. We'll follow you back with Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday, Monday night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Go Cougs, I guess.